Good morning, oh. good day, and good evening. Welcome to episode, I want to guess, 186 of Tech of a Tea. I'm, as always, your host, Brody Robinson. Now, recently we had the whole GNOME accent color portal thing happen, and today we have one of the people involved in getting that pushed through. Welcome to the show, Leah. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Um, you know, I'm Leah. Uh... Although on online, especially on GitHub, I go by the name Layton, mm -hmm. and I'm doing good today. Um, any questions? So I guess just before we get started with any like the main stuff, we can just start with a brief introduction of who you are and sort of what you do. Yeah, so um, I mean, mainly I'm now sort of the head of Fiora Labs, which is a um, company that I run. And it's a sort of hybrid of a consulting firm as well as just like, I guess consulting firm would be the best way to put open source consultancy and just mm. sort of other things that happen. <laughs> Who made um, this um, this homepage? Because I noticed that when I reload it, is it procedurally generated? Yeah, it is procedurally generated. It's okay, a flow field. I, I actually made that. Oh, yeah. no, it looks really cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah. Like... Um, I mean, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, go on. Uh, yeah, no, I was saying, um, I, I will say that, like, I try to go a bit more overkill on the new homepage, because a while ago, I think it was, like, when Fear initially started, mm -hmm. I remember, like, I was just, like, it was, like, 8 p.m., mm -hmm. I was just, you know, in a call with, like, the other founders, and we were just, like, we need a website now. And I was just, like, okay, I'll do it. And I just banged together a website overnight. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't good. It worked, though. Oh, it wasn't this one. Okay, I was going to say. Um, the current one that you're looking at, yeah, that's mm -hmm. the new one. Mm -hmm. I, I hope. hope. I, it's the one with all the swirly patterns. Yeah, yeah, the swirly, yeah. <laughs> so what was the original website, that's... then? Was it just, like, a basic HTML page with some CSS? Like, what... Oh, God, Actually, it was is... horrible. I wonder if it's on um, It could is... be. Was it on the same domain? Yes, it was definitely on the same domain. Okay, I'll have a look. Um, yeah. Let's see. Do you know roughly when the... Uh, the, when that... the oldest snapshot. Well, there's a snapshot from 2013. Okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um... Unless... did uh, Maybe someone else owned the domain at some point? And then let it yeah, go? Yeah, that would... I mean, I'm... Yeah, that'd be surprising to me. Uh, uh, probably 2021. Or oh, here we go, 2022. We found... Or 2022, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So you have... Oh, um, I expected worse. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> it's not as good, I, I... but it's not as bad as you made it sound like. Yeah, I... Actually, can you send me the archive link? I haven't seen this in a while, oh, yeah, to be sure. honest. Um... Archive.org uh, oh, can be a little bit slow sometimes, so I don't Oh, know. shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you can swear it's fine. It, um, just don't say anything you don't want a recording of. It's all good. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, my god, this is so old. <laughs> okay, I really wonder, what is that 2013 one, though? Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't check it. Um, let's have huh. a look. Let's see. Wait, can I show it on the video? Or was it... Should it not be shown on the video? Okay. Hmm. 
Hmm. The archive is taking a while to load. Hmm. Uh-huh. I'm going to not show it on <laughs> just in case. Yeah, I, I'm a bit worried. <laughs> the only way there could be an archive from back then is if someone else owned a domain. But, like, that's yeah. a really specific name for someone else to have used before. I mean, I'm not surprised because I think, um, I think it was Twitter mm. that we tried to get the, um, like, Twitter handle for, like, Fear Labs. Yeah. But that was taken by, like, I don't even know. It was some Brazilian thing. Oh, like, okay. okay, okay. Right, we'll I don't know you. Brazilian. We'll I'm, there's a possibility yeah, that I, I something. I, 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 yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Like, funnily enough, one of the people on the team, or, like, the person in charge of design at Fira, mm-hmm. is actually, you know, from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should ask them, probably. But, yeah. It's a little um, worst idea. I, um, but I can see why you didn't like... Like, it. it's not a terrible site, but I can see why this it, is... It's a site. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why you have the... Um, gradient on the fear, the, the fear of labs part because it just stands out against everything else like i get it because it's I like a, it's a mix of like the pink and the blue being used but it, yeah it, it's the only thing on the entire page it's a gradient mm, yeah no it, it my design <laughs> sensibilities especially like back then mm-hmm. and especially if you take it like you know 8 p.m at night yeah probably sure. going to midnight you know, not the greatest, I'll be honest. No, that's you. fair. Do you have yeah. any sort of, like, design experience before this page? Or was this, like, you just... It looks like you've at least know some fundamentals of design. Like, presumably you've done something so, before this. Yeah, so my development background, right? My development background is mostly, like, sort of a weird mix of, like, systems engineering and back-end development, mm-hmm. right? So front-end is not really my thing. Right. But before... But I did get quite a bit of experience with that because I... You know, before that, I did a lot of, um, and I still do to this day under, you know, Fear Instead, but I did a lot of uh, sort of, like, contracting work mm-hmm. for other people. So just, like, you know, helping them, like, redo some of their, you know, their websites type of thing. And then another thing I did, which was pretty interesting, is before Fira, um, I worked on a, essentially, I guess you could call it, like, a, a FOSS Discord clone, right? Okay. Um, And there was, yeah, it was... uh. I don't even know if it's still around. A Discord clone Probably. as in like a whole separate service or a Discord clone as in like a Discord client? No, no, no. Like we we um did the entire like, like we, it was an entirely separate service. Right? Okay, okay. And right, sort of, right. yeah, the idea was essentially because um I had like a few friends and we were all like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we just did this? Mm-hmm. And we were, because we were also like, I think there was some stuff going on Discord back at that time. I don't remember. They right. make a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, they and got just the like, whole markdown links thing recently. <laughs> I, you know, um, my, uh, so about that, actually. Okay. So that thing was like, I, I saw like the whole Twitter thing about that. You know, there's sort of a fuss on Twitter. Sure. Right. Um, the thing is, markdown links were here for like much longer. Like, I think they were here for like, yeah, I want to say a month or two months. Or oh, maybe okay. Did, like, I thought you meant like years. You know, yeah, it did explode on Twitter just out of nowhere. But yeah, definitely had been in, in like a, yeah, as a I, I was for a very con- and like back. I and it was like a thing, like mm-hmm. maybe even before that. Although I'm sort of like, like I probably knew know a bit more. I I probably have um, 
sort of more early understanding of that mm. because I, well, one, I used to do like some Discord client modding stuff mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. And then also my girlfriend is still actively involved in that um, Discord client modding space. Mm-hmm. So she's just, you know, whenever any new like Discord feature like hits Canary, right? Or, you know, and it becomes an experiment and mm-hmm. it's interesting, she'll just tell all of us like, oh, uh, by the way, yeah, this is going to be a thing. So we sort of anticipated it by just, I think, in like the fear Discord server, we just added a regex where if you would ever, you know, use a markdown link, mm-hmm. you just block the message because, you know. That's not a bad idea. A bit actually. problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, well, the people that are like in my Discord, like some of them are terrible people, but none of them are like... <laughs> None of them are I mean, like it's Discord. Sure. None of them are trying to be like malicious <laughs> with links. I have had people uh I've had raids before where people are doing things they do with Discord raids, you know, posting things that shouldn't be pictures in the first place. Um so I could I, I would imagine in a situation like that, you could definitely do a bit of damage. Um or like a raid you shouldn't be clicking on links in a raid anyway, but maybe someone who just throws a bot into a server, does things like that. I don't know why it popped off when it did. My assumption is maybe there was like a... Maybe someone posted on Reddit or someone... It was like a YouTube video. I actually don't know why it suddenly became like the, the popular thing to talk about. So I think I... I Here's my understanding, right? Okay. So there were two tweets about it, actually. And the first tweet became came before, like, I guess the more popular tweet. And that first tweet was from like some dude in the crypto Twitter scene. I assume right. you can understand what I'm talking about there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I assume like... And my only guess there is that some scammer, you know, crypto scammer, probably just like, hmm, this could be inter- this could be right. very neat, okay. right? And that sort of blew up there. Mm-hmm. And then the second tweet was just essentially like the same thing, but not really in that crypto Twitter sphere. Right, that would make sense. Because I know there were certainly... There was certainly a bit of discussion when it first came out, but everyone kind of just forgot really quickly, which is what tends to happen with pretty much everything on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no matter yeah, what, I, like no matter how serious it is, people just forget. Like in a day, they're just like, "Oh, what's the new? What's the new exciting thing to talk about?" Oh, someone posted a new video. Oh, new video time. It's like, <laughs> can we like pay attention to something for more than maybe five minutes? Maybe. Mm. I mean, it's a very good time to do controversial things if you're a company. I'll say that. <laughs> well, all you need to do there's um. There's my my favorite uh, my favorite quote about like game company controversies is every video game boycott is one cinematic away from being over. <laughs> if they if the company just posts one good cinematic, it doesn't matter what they've done, people forget straight away. Oh my god, that not that's incredibly accurate. It shouldn't be accurate, but it is. That's the problem. It it it, it really is. I mean. And, like, I feel like every, especially, like, with video games specifically, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel like every year or every time, like, some sort of game, like, you know, new release flops, mm-hmm. everybody's like, stop pre-ordering the games, right? Because, you know, people will pre-order, they'll get disappointed, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. every year people are, like, saying, you know, stop pre-ordering. And people are like, I'm not going to pre-order anymore. But every year people keep doing it. Yep. They keep screwing themselves. I, I feel, like... There's nothing different about the argument because back 
back when Total Biscuit was alive, he was making the exact same arguments that are still being made today, and nobody is listening. I think the difference today, though, is now we have an entire generation of uh, gamers who have grown up around this being a normal system. They've grown up around microtransactions, and it's just normal for these things to be in games. So now the fight's just lost. You do, there's nothing you can do at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's... As much as it makes... I mean, I'm not old at all, but, you know, as much as it will make me sound like a boomer, I miss really the old times sometimes. Look, I miss you, really old times a lot. You can always go back and emulate some PS2 games. It'll be fine. True, true. I mean, I don't really... Okay, besides... uh. I don't really play much games anymore, to be honest, no, that's, besides, that's like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a lot more busy as of now because, you know, everything that's been going on recently. Yeah. But um, when I do, you know, play games, I'll usually play, like, I like, I'll just play, like, honestly, I I had an addiction to, um, like, Minecraft Hypixel Skyblock for a while. <laughs> that was not very healthy for me. Um, I don't even know how I got into that. And then I have a weird thing as well mm -hmm. where um, it, I will just like, it doesn't make sense at all. And I will just like launch um, Cyberpunk, right? Right. Okay. And I will just drive around. It's strangely therapeutic. I don't know why. Huh. Um, and actually, I do know why. Um, the game is just like, take away like the initial like launch bugs and all of that crap, mm -hmm. right? The game itself, like especially if you look at the aesthetics mm -hmm, and like the mm -hmm. scenery and everything, it's so beautiful. Especially yeah. if you yeah, have absolutely. like you know a decent graphics card, and they're just like I could literally like just go just drive around and just you know. That's one of the things that really that that's the only thing in the game that wasn't broken when it came out. <laughs> it had a really yeah. nice art style and like a consistent. It knew what it was trying to do, like. If you see a screenshot from Cyberpunk, like, you know it's a screenshot from Cyberpunk. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's, that's the problem it, with a lot, yeah. of, um, mm -hmm. a lot of, like, AAA games that are coming out, where it's just, they all kind of look the same. A lot of games are aiming for realism. And when you aim for realism, mm -hmm. you realize the real world's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, you know, like, um, this is why the indie game scene has a lot more... A, a lot of people are sort of trying out indie games now. There's a lot of people realizing, like, there are some great games out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. Um, like, and I think we're going to get to a point, I mean, obviously, like, realism, when you mm -hmm. try to aim for realism, it, it all converges, because, sure. you know, realism yeah. is realism, right? But I think we're going to hit a certain point where, as in, especially, like, even the AAA is going to realize, you know, there's not much use to going further because like have you have you seen like there was a couple of months ago there was um there was like this popular twitter video i i, I can't find it right now but there's a popular twitter video of like there's a new like game that was coming out and it had like you know it was made in i think it was like unreal 5 and like the graphics were like nothing you could ever see like it was is it the body cam it, game yes that one okay yes and it, it's cool don't get me wrong it's cool but I, I don't know, maybe I'm just a bit boomery on this, right? But it just feels sort of gimmicky to me as well. Yeah, it's a it's see... a bit much. I get like yeah. it's a it's a cool concept. 
Um, like it's a really cool concept. And there were people that were sort of thinking it was um, like actual real footage. But I, I want there to be a separation between video games and real life. Like I, people usually play video games as sort of an escape. They see body mm. cam footage every day on the internet. They don't, like, I, I'm sure someone wants to play this, but I per- like, it's, it's not my thing. It's definitely not my thing. Yeah. I, yeah, 100% agree with that. And I, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I don't really have much else to say about that. No, that's fair, that's um, fair. But, yeah, I, I will, I did forget another game I've been, you know, besides those mm-hmm. other two I talked about that I do play. Um, and more recent as well, uh, Hollow Care, right? <laughs> so, um, that's been pretty, honestly, I'm just sort of like, not surprised, mm-hmm. but I'm just sort of impressed that came from like, you know, this indie dev, like working for essentially like no profit at all. Right. Because, you know, it's a Paul Life fan game, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, the game itself is just really impressive. Although I've had some issues running it on Linux, but. Did yeah. you? <laughs> it's been running perfectly fine for me. So, okay, okay. I maybe my config, my configuration, like my setup, because I do a lot of wacky shit. I guess you could say in okay. non-eloquent terms on my <laughs> system. So it's not very, it's not the greatest setup. But um, what what happened is like after ten minutes of playing the game, right? I would just like start getting stutters, and the mm. game would just like periodically slow down, right? Mm. And because the game doesn't have um, delta timing correctly implemented. What I mean by delta timing is essentially like if the frame speed, you know, slows down, the game will still progress at the same rate, right? The actual game, like the, you know, the movement of your characters and everything slows down as well as Mm -hmm. your frame rate drops, which just makes it unplayable after a while. Hmm. What do you, what, what is your system? Like, what are you actually running? God. Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it no. can't be that bad, surely. Like, what, what am I preparing okay, for? Okay, uh, so I am running okay. a 2018 Mac Mini. Okay. <laughs> this is a good start. Okay. Okay, okay. With an eGPU. Okay. With, um, some Radeon Pro W's um, 6600 graphics card. Okay. And you probably don't... It doesn't sound that cursed so far, right? And you're right, it isn't that cursed, right? But what I will say... Um, um, E2 Linux, right? Because this version of the Mac Mini does have a T2 chip, okay. right? I don't know if you're aware of what that is. I'm aware, but feel like... Now, you? If you just explain for anyone who might not be. Okay, so the T2 chip, um, you can think of it as sort of like Apple's a weird security chip or like, you know, a version of the secure enclave that you will find on like an iPhone or Macs. And what it does is it handles like various functions, including um, I think it has some part to do in secure boot. And then it also has some other crap to do with. um, What was it? It's disencryption. So disencryption is also handled for the chip. Now. That doesn't sound too bad, right? But you know what else is also handled through the T2 chip? As far as I know, it could be totally wrong, but this is like what I remember from last time I was trying to get this to work mm-hmm. a while ago. Audio. What? 
Wait. Yeah. What? So if you want to use the if you want to use the headphone jack, right? On, you know, like I have external speakers and I want to plug that into my Mac Mini, right? Right. I could be totally wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Audio is handled through the T2 chip. What? Which? <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely finding. Yeah. No, I'm finding people complaining about issues being caused by, uh, like audio professionals complaining about the T2 chip. What? Yeah. No, it's. It's horrible. So I tried, like, when I was trying to... So there's drivers, right? right? There's, like, an audio driver, which I think uses the T2 chip, you know, mm -hmm. for the head jack, headphone audio. But this is really... But the driver, like, I... Honestly, like, I, I feel bad for whoever wrote that driver, right? But um, it just, like, when I load it and when I use that output, mm -hmm. like, audio just chops up all the time. The entire system somehow manages to like slow down significantly and maybe that's just my curse you know other curse things i'm running here but mm -hmm. yeah so you know what i did instead uh instead i just have display port connected to like USB-C on here and then i'm just routing audio through my monitor and then using the headphone jack on my monitor because you can pass audio through to play display port and passing that to my external speakers which <laughs> is what, cursed what are you saying works, right <laughs> Um, the other thing I have to do, because this setup is cursed, right? Uh-huh. Uh right, um, so, I have an ultra-wide monitor, okay? Fair enough. Because I did, um, a friend of mine, right, like, I don't know how their desk was not very great, and the monitor was really heavy, and apparently it was causing their desk to break. And I was like, you know, I'll buy it off of you. Okay. Right? So I got it for a really good deal, right? and. What happened um, is I, you know, I was just so excited. I plugged it in, you know, to my desktop, right? Mm -hmm. And this ultra-wide one monitors, you know, supposed to have, it's also supposed to be able to run at like 120 hertz, right. right? And I plugged it in, and I was like, you know, full resolution. I was like, hey, why is this locked at only 60 hertz, mm -hmm. right? So it turns out the DisplayPort controller on the Mac Mini, pretty old. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, it's 2018 um, model. So I, I, yeah. So I, I just. So what I'm doing instead is I have an eGPU, which is connected to the Mac, right? And then I'm just making the display dot eGPU. But in order to get that eGPU to work, right? Uh -huh. I had to install some like custom EFI, like or not EFI, like some custom bootloader that would chain load my actual bootloader because apparently there's some restriction. Like on, like there's some you spoof. You have to spoof the eGPU when you're on Linux for some reason. Uh -huh. or there was some weird thing. I don't know. Apple's weird, okay? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So all, and then you know you also have to run like a custom kernel, right? If you're running T2 Linux, regardless. But it's not good. Um, it works though. I'm surprised it works. Uh, I, I am but... as well. <sighs> I it's certainly honestly, a I should <laughs> look I mean it's um at, at the end of the day if it functions I guess that's something functions is the way to put it <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so that's you know that's um entire thing I honestly I should probably just build like a proper PC next time right Really? But like this setup this setup <laughs> This setup works for now. I presume so 
I presume the only reason you have it is because you've had the Mac Mini for a while. Like you didn't go out of your way. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, no, no, I, I would not. I'm not um, you know, I'm not a masochist in that sense. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Well, you know, it isn't my sort of pleasure to be like, hmm, I can do to torture myself today. I'm gonna go to Apple.com, order a 2018 specifically Mac Mini. Oh yeah, and also an ultra wide and eGPU, and just get all of this to work. Yeah. Mm. But um. And all of that to, yeah, I, to play Holocure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it doesn't even work well. <laughs> I will say, I will say, um, in the T2 support, in compare, like, because I also, okay, this is going to get cursed again. I also have, well, not really that cursed, but it's a mm -hmm. bit cursed. I have a um, 2020 MacBook Pro, right? Because, you know, okay. Apple Silicon. And I personally I need to say is Apple that when they Silicon. Start, wait, hold up. Is that when they started doing Apple Silicon? Has that been that long already? 2020? I think so, yeah. What? I didn't realize. I, I've lost track of time over the past couple of years. Jeez. Yeah, 2020. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So I have oh. a 2020 MacBook Pro with like an M1 chip. And mm -hmm. I, will, I will say, first of all, the M1, I don't like amazing, right? Like, I. I don't think I've ever had a laptop that's la that you know I've been able to do so much shit on, mm -hmm. right? Development work on, and that's also lasted like for so long, battery wise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. So you know I'm running us, you know, of course, see, that's me. You know, I'm running Asahi Linux, mm -hmm. right? Um, it works really well actually. Which I mean, and they certainly don't have the head start that I guess T2 has, but at the same time, there's sort of a higher incentive to work on that because, mm -hmm. you know, unlike the Mac Mini, the, you know, the Apple Silicon computers actually have something that's unique about them. To, you know... Well, they're still being supported by Apple as well, which is the other thing. Yeah, true. Which true. is going to probably stop, like the first generation is probably going to stop fairly soon, I would assume. Hmm. So then, well, I, had, I honestly have no idea what the support cycle is. For. I would, yeah, I don't, I haven't used a Mac since Snow Leopard. Mountain Lion. Oh, One of those. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, been a while for me. Uh, I, so I'm not really sure what the model they're using right now, but it will definitely be getting to that stage. And when that happens, then those devices, you know, they just become e-waste or you put Asahi <laughs> Linux on them. True. Um, let me see. Okay, I'm currently trying to find it. Mm -hmm. I... End of life. Okay. I... Come on. Okay, let's see. Mac Rumors. Uh, this could totally not go wrong. Um, <laughs> Wait, does Apple see. not have an EOL list on their website? No, what am I saying? Of course I they can't don't. find it. Why would they? It's Apple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's Apple. What did you expect? <laughs> um, show on... Okay, this is not what I want. Oh, wait, more information is available on the Apple site. Let's see how that... Did you seriously just redirect me to the developer docs? <laughs> oh my... <laughs> uh, MacBook M1 EOL list. There's an EOL list for the uh, the iPhone. Like, they have a list on their website of iPhones compatible with iOS 16. So surely, 
they have the same list for their their computers. You would you would hope at least. Wait, did they did they never pull up? Did they never release like anything about this? <laughs> I can't find anything. Wait, because I'm on Mac rumors right now. You know, obviously it's Mac rumors, so you never know. But, sure. Um, people are just like people are just essentially just tossing random numbers here. So like somebody's saying like ten years, seven years, five years. What is the Apparently... current version of macOS? Oh God! I'm gonna. Fuck. I was just going to Wikipedia. What is this? Yeah, I do not know. Uh, Ventura apparently. Uh, oh, okay. Apple computers that support macOS Ventura. Okay. Oh, here we go. We found something. Yeah. So, oh god, why is every one of their computers named the exact same thing? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you love this so much. MacBook Aren't Pro 16-inch, MacBook Pro 14-inch, MacBook Pro 13-inch 2022, MacBook Pro 16-inch 2021. Use a different name! Oh my god, I, I don't even... Oh, here we go. Okay, so M1 is still supported on the current version. But they don't say ah. when it's not going to be supported. Very useful. Okay. <laughs> I, great. Um, so I just don't know. I, great. You know, this is why I love Apple. Yeah, it's great. Really. What, what yeah, reason truly... is there that you have these Apple devices? Okay. So for my Mac Mini, right? Right. Um, that was actually, uh, like a hand-me-down from my okay. dad, right? That makes sense. And then the MacBook Pro, it's because it's Apple Silicon, and it was worth it for me. Okay, fair enough. That's totally fair. Yeah, um, yeah, so, uh, okay, um, completely unrelated, but I was trying to find the end of life on endoflife.site, mm -hmm. right? And I just, you know, I saw, hmm, I saw SunTOS there, I was just like, hmm, this is Wait, interesting, I'll see. Endos uh... I didn't wait. What? End of life. End of life. Dot date. End of life. Dot date. I've never heard of this site. What? Wait. End of life. It's just. It's end of life for everything. Huh. So, um, it's how have really I never useful, heard of this? Right? <laughs> okay. Well, now you have. Yeah. Now I have apparently. So I... God, I just find it incredibly like. Look at the CentOS one. <laughs> wait. Wait. CentOS. CentOS. Here Not we go. stream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Ends in nine months. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I... <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. The CentOS situation was sent... such a mess. It, it was. Um, I... God, I... Like, from a technical perspective, you know, mm -hmm. my personal perspective, like, I get the technical reason for doing it. Like, mm -hmm. I think the old CentOS model was actually, like, kind of shit, mm -hmm. to be honest. Like, uh, you would have, like, there would be sort of this lag between, you know, CentOS getting shit and RHEL, and it was mm -hmm. not very great, you know, breakage crap. But, like, and I really like this new model where you have, like, you know, stream in between Fedora and yeah. RHEL, because then, you know, it allows, you know, it allows me to get sort of, like, if I ever, you know, I, I'm 
don't do anything that necessarily requires stream but mm -hmm. if i ever actually we might in the future i'll explain mm -hmm. that later um but if we do you know having stream there and just to be able to test crap before the new rel minor release comes up very nice and mm -hmm. also just that's great but it, it was such a clusterfuck um the entire thing i and think i think like all they needed to do yeah. was keep send to us until the next version of rel and that like be like hey we are cutting the CentOS project, you have until the next version of RHEL to migrate, come join RHEL, if you don't want to, find something else. But like, doing it in the middle of a release, like, that's where it gets really weird. Mm, yeah, no, that, that, I mean, that kind of, that was horrible. Um, and I, I mean, on, I mean, I, I, especially in recent, you know, Red Hats also have, you know, other communication fuck-ups, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm just generally bad decisions and at this point like you know it's just i i don't really know what else i don't really know what to say it's just i, I i'm just sort of disappointed but it is what it is it is sense. what it is and it, it is what it is it's this... not a great time to be in the enterprise linux ecosystem mm -hmm. Well, isn't it? It's, it's it's a great time if you like looking at it from the outside and you want to see an absolute train wreck. <laughs> oh God, I, yeah. This uh, this shouldn't need to be said, but I'll, I'll say it again. Everyone I know at Red Hat is a lovely person. Like all of the engineers that I've met, all great people. They are not the people who are making the like executive decisions. The engineers that are you know in repos that you see every day, they're just trying to make things better. If you want to blame anyone for the problems that Rail has, focus it on like focus it on the company itself, not on the people doing important work. Yep, I 100% agree. I've had a lot of like I mean, I've had nice not many, but I've had nice conversations with people from Red Hat mm -hmm. and they've generally been like very great. I know like a lot of our there's people on the, you know, Fira team that have, you know, I know like a lot more people from Red Hat and they can all test to that the developers, you know, everyone there, great people. Mm -hmm. Right. So I I do agree. Don't go after like the individuals here. Or at least the individual developers, mm -hmm. the technical people, yeah, the non managers. Yeah. Yeah, they just yeah, but yeah, they're just they're just doing what they do and like I like I know people I, I've spoken to people from Red Hat who just openly just disagree with the direction they're going but you know it's like yeah like just i mean you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah of course like i i just wish that i, I obviously don't know how they run internally right sure, sure. but i just I, I really wish they like had more people and actively involved in development in some sort of like management role or at least an advisory role mm -hmm. Just so, you know, at least they could structure the communication where it isn't, you know, complete dog shit. Like, in the case of, um, you know, CentOS debacle, right? <laughs> and I, I I used, I'll be honest, I, I used to really love, like, the whole Enterprise Linux thing. I used to run, like, I, we do still run, like, we still run, like, we run Alma for, like, our production servers. Mm. Um, except for our new... Um, servers, which um, I know this is going to sound a bit scary, but they run a they run 
Um, they run uh, SUSE Micro OS. Or, yeah, I think that's what it is. Open SUSE Micro OS. I don't think I right, recognize because... the system. I want to say it's. Uh, I know it, it's just Open SUSE's like immutable oh. thing. Oh, oh, okay. So we run that in production because we have a uh, three-node Kubernetes cluster running in Europe uh -huh. for like all of our services and internal services and such. And I will say I've had some. I've run into you know, micro OS sometimes, so just, you know, weird annoyances. Mm -hmm. But in general, I've been really liking it. So, that's an, if you ever need to run a Kubernetes cluster, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but, something that definitely I mean, comes up in my daily that, life, for sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> I on, Honestly, no, I don't I mean, even know what Kubernetes is. Like, I've been out of oh, the, the dev space long enough at this point. I okay. Yeah, explain to me Kubernetes, because oh, I hear the term I used often. To be, I yeah, so I used to be a Kubernetes, like, hater, I guess you could say. Like, mm -hmm. I used to be Kubernetes' number one hater. I, anytime Kubernetes would be mentioned, I would just start going off, right? But I somehow got, became, I somehow flipped recently. Mm -hmm. Um, But to put it, like, shortly, what Kubernetes is, is, I'm trying to think of analogy, or not analogy, just an explanation, that's not too, like, not too, comp like, technical. Okay, you're a company or you're an organization. You have a workload, right? Okay. You have some nodes, right? You don't care how your applications get run on those, mm -hmm. but with this group of nodes, like these group of servers, you just want your applications to get to run on them reliably, right? Okay. So what Kubernetes is, it's a platform, and you will install, you install Kubernetes on all your nodes. You join them together, and it gives you this sort of standardized interface for running containers on them. It's mm -hmm. so like, you know, Docker containers, essentially. Right. And the idea is, is like, Kubernetes provides, like, you know, a lot of, you know, different features besides, like, abstracting the host operating system, right? So, for example, if a node drops on the cluster, right? When I mean drops, like, it just fails. Right, right, right. Like, the server dies. Kubernetes will be like, hmm, something's wrong, and it will reschedule your workload onto another machine. And then Kubernetes also actively tries to fill out vacancies. It tries to make the most out of the compute you have. Right. So, in a way, I sort of compare it to it's like an operating system for. I, I, this is going to sound very stupid, but sort of like an operating system for cloud workloads. Right. It gives you this standardized. No, I can way see that. I can essentially. See that. Yeah. So it gives you the standardized way to essentially deploy applications against mm -hmm. this cluster which is basically just a bunch of servers mm -hmm. that can come and leave at any time they want um i will say if you are interested right um let me find the kubernetes there's a really good uh kubernetes comic like the google cloud people okay it's made a comic uh i'm trying to find it here it is let's see. take a look um i don't know but it's uh Essentially, just it's a very good explanation of what Kubernetes does. Wait, this is but, really well drawn. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> I I need a. Wait, I wasn't expecting it to be, to be this well drawn. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Google Cloud doesn't seem to be cheaping out here. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. To be fair, I'm not going to read it all here, but I can. Yeah, I, I can see lots of. Course. of 
Kubernetes symbols and explanation. I might check it out afterwards. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But um, for me, there's sort of like the thing that clicked in my mind for Kubernetes is just sort of when I realized, you know, it was like, oh yeah, why don't you just get like a large server and you, or, you know, why don't you just get a, like, um, why don't you run like get a large server and just like deploy Docker Compose, you know, just use Docker Compose to deploy a bunch of crap there, right? <laughs> and initially, like. The reason why we played with Kubernetes is because um, we had reliability issues, mm -hmm. right? Because everything was on essentially one node, mm -hmm. and that wasn't the greatest for like you know high availability. So we were like, you know, let's try this new setup. And you know, after playing with it, it's just good. Like it's difficult to set up, and also the hardest part of Kubernetes is it's difficult to install, mm -hmm. and there's a steep learning curve. But right. once you understand how it works, a lot of it makes sense. So I'm pretty happy with it so far. <laughs> Maybe that'll change in the future. Yeah. Um. Maybe there'll be something. Mm. Like, from from everything I can see, like everything I can see about like the dev space, it seems to move relatively quickly. So there's always going to be some like new exciting tech that everybody is talking about. Uh, I don't know what what's in that like that focus right now, but it just seems like at least from the outside, there's always something new that people are like experimenting with even if it doesn't become like a mainstream tool that everybody uses there's always someone out there that has a new idea about how things can be run yeah and i think that's like one of the really amazing things about tech it's just like how much happens here mm -hmm. but i think as a developer especially if you know just you know just getting started out in the space it's so easy to get sucked in the vortex of just like i need to learn the next new thing especially yeah, you're yeah, in the yeah. javascript ecosystem well, yeah. um, no, well, that like, was uh, that was the space I got most into, and then I mm. I realized very quickly that there are a lot of websites out there that are still just built with jQuery. I mean, there are a bunch of websites that are just built with PHP. Yeah, WordPress, yeah, right. Like I know, like giant com I I consult with giant companies, mm -hmm. right, pulling in like millions in revenue mm -hmm. that are just their websites are just like some WordPress site running on, like, a like a random server yeah. in, like, a closet. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you don't need to know, like, all of this new tech all the time to be, you know, I guess, if your job is, to, if your goal is to get higher, you don't need to know all of this new tech, right? And I think in general, like, trying to chase after the new thing, like, I think it's good to play with new tech, but don't make it, don't feel like it's a necessity, mm -hmm. right? Um. Like, if you have something that works, and that's something that's relatively in demand, mm -hmm. don't feel like you, you know, you need to, like, learn or switch to the next new thing. Mm -hmm. Now, if right. you're a Cobol because, developer, you know, maybe you should learn something. Oh, no. no. Okay, well, yeah. If you're... Well, actually, the thing with Cobol is the group that know Cobol still and know Fortran is so small that, assuming you don't take a job to basically delete your job... Uh, you'll always have a position. I know, um, I know some people that know COBOL who've had positions where it's like, hey, can you convert our COBOL program into, like, C-sharp? Never accept those jobs <laughs> because you are deleting the limited amount of COBOL work that still exists. I mean, job security, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... No, I mean... There's some interesting stuff even happening in like the COBOL mm -hmm. space. And I know that's going to sound insane, but I think um, Cloudflare mm 
mm-hmm. right? This could have been just been like, obviously, I think this is just more of Cloudflare memeing, right? But they release like some sort of like template or library that allows you to run COBOL on like their, you know, Cloudflare workers, which is like their serverless in quotes hosting platform. Right. So there's some like it, it you know, a movement, a little movement. <laughs> but no. Um <clears throat> COBOL reports yeah. to conference on data systems languages, including initial specifications for a common business-oriented language, COBOL, for programming electronic mm. digital computers. Department of Defense, April 1960. Yeah. is oh. one of the OGs. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't see, I don't see, like, banks or, you know, companies that are running COBOL, like, moving or wanting to move anytime soon. No, if right? it works, it works. Yeah, if it works. I mean, like, if you're not in the tech space, right, if you're not exclusively a tech company, right, I guess your priorities when it comes to what technologies you use internally are just a lot different. Yeah. Which is what, yeah. Well, there was the whole but, thing yeah. with um, Japan a few years back uh, where a lot of their businesses still rely on floppy disks, still rely on... Well, they, they still heavily use fax machines. Like, if you have a system in place that functions, if you're not aiming to be, like, a, a pioneer in the tech space, like, you're just going to keep doing the thing that always works. I have friends who work in uh, call centers who still use DOS applications for their, like, call center work. Like, for doing like, all of the, wow. da- the data entry. I mean, yeah, no, if your company, that works, that works. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to... I'm not gonna bash you on that, right? Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you ever need to modernize your legacy craft, you know, <laughs> we we're we're always here, right? We always have services for that. But if it works for you, no shame on that, right? Fairlabs.com. So, Fairlabs.com. Yeah, services at Fairlabs.com. Email us. We can make it work. I was gonna say, That's don't say the slogan. email unless you want to get a lot of spam mail, because there will be, there I will be. Get, uh... I already get. Yeah, I was gonna say, dude, do I you... already get too much spam. Do you have? Okay, no, it is just directly on the website. Okay, yeah, that's why. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> like, because of YouTube's um auto auto subtitling, there's bots that will then scrape those and use that information for other things. Um. But you've already just got it on the website anyway, so it's already yeah, in every no, single I, spam database. Yeah, it, it, it's honest. Like, I I sort of gotten used to just tuning out spam. Sure. Right, and I, if you have like a good spam filter as well, that helps a lot. Right, mm. but um, I, I there used to be a thing where, like, or not used to be a thing, but like, I will say if you're ever in, if you're ever bored for some reason, right, okay. and you ever just want to be intrigued just open G- like you know if you're on g open gmail open the spam folder just read it yep yep a lot of funny things there trust me i get a lot of weird crap lots of weird crap i like doing the um, same thing with my um held for review youtube comments so youtube uh, will <laughs> automatically uh hide comments that are like insulting or like spam so mm. with the insulting ones they put in like a separate like these are offensive comments those are always fun to read because it's always it, it's always people who are very clearly a little bit unhinged to a lot of bit unhinged. Yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, that's sort of like any internet comment mm. section. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I even like on your videos, like, you know, sometimes I'll just like, I'll scroll down and I'm like, mm. you know, maybe I won't read in this entire thing. <laughs> maybe I won't read further on now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of unhinged people everywhere, uh, especially. I mean, another thing, Twitter or X, I don't fucking know what to call it. Right. I just, Twitter X. I know that you haven't updated like the branding on the Fear of Labs website, but you're not like alone here. When X put out the new brand kit, tons of massive companies just ignored it and just didn't update their branding. I, like, honestly, when Twitter changed their branding, or I don't fucking know, X Twitter, right? <laughs> X slash Twitter. Um, X plus Twitter, right? When they changed their branding, <laughs> um, I just like I didn't think like the thought of just changing the stuff mm -hmm. on our site, yeah, right, or in any of like our stuff just never occurred to me. Because mm -hmm. just like, oh, 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 okay, yeah, everyone knows what it is, and they're always gonna have the Twitter domain. Yeah, like they can't let go of the Twitter I, domain because it's just too valuable. If someone takes it, like what are the like? It's always gonna have to be a redirect to X. I mean, right now, the isn't the primary Twitter application just running, or X application running on Twitter? It is, but my assumption is the plan, they, they eventually want to migrate it over X. That's that's the way I understand mm. it. Um, yeah. But. I mean, they can try. Um, I mean, if they do, good for them. But, yeah. like, um, what I'm going to say, at least for that, is um, I feel like there's going to be a I feel like we're going to run an issue where there's probably going to be, you know, the Twitter's code base, massive. It's like split into a bunch of different projects, mm -hmm. right? I feel like you're just going to run into like a bunch of hard-coded domains, right? Just yeah. have weird like issues yeah. if they ever try to switch over. Probably, you know. I mean, that's why I said they can try. They can right? try. <laughs> they can try. I... If they need some consulting yeah. for your lab.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, Elon, hit us up. <laughs> no, but... Um, <laughs> oh, God. That reminded me of the whole, like, when they open-source the algorithm, right? Oh, yeah, I did see that. That was insane. Like, um, first of all, you know, obviously it's on, you know, GitHub, so everybody's, like, opening, like, dummy issues and PRs and crap, mm -hmm. right? But, like, there were some interesting stuff there, so, like... I think they had like a weird, like they had like a specific like line of code, like that was checking for like Elon. Yeah. And there was like another one for like Democrat and Republican. It was just insane. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of it was real. That's the thing. I think, I, I don't think it was actually influencing outcomes. Um, As far as I know, it was just monitoring in order to check like, oh, which party, you know, is one of the parties, like, you know, that's why they had the Democrat or Republican, like getting more. I guess you could say, algorithm engagement than the other. Mm. Well, no, like, because of, like, Elon yeah. talked about wanting to release it for so long that I don't know yeah. if it's, like, specifically crafted in a way. But, like, if you were going to craft it, why would you put inflating Elon's tweets in there? Like, that... Yeah, no, it, I, I don't... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't think they were ever trying to inflate, like, a specific person or party or whatever, right? Well, but at least obviously you have to look at the... Yeah, at it's least in Elon's case, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he specifically wanted that added in there. Yes. I mean, just yelling at their first... Or, I, I'm not even going to try to do an Elon accent or something, or an impression, I mean. 
um, like, your first uh, order, make me on the top of every timeline. <laughs> Just pin me, actually. Right? So, I, I, I mean, I could see. On one hand, I could see it. On the other, I, yeah, I don't know. Did you see the tweet um, of, like, the leaked email where you talked about the, the panels for the Cybertruck? They need to be within, like, like a couple of, uh, like, a, de- yeah. a degree of accuracy or, like, a couple of atoms of accuracy or something ridiculous like that. I don't remember the exact, um, the exact email. Oh, my God. I, I saw it. It was, like, like I want to say four microns. Yeah, four microns, yeah. Microns. Something like that, yeah. Like, Sub-10 micron accuracy. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. Oh, I was just, when I saw that, I don't even know what, I just... Uh, due to the nature of Cybertruck, which is made of bright metal with mostly straight edges, any dimensional variation shows up like a sore thumb. All parts of this vehicle, whether internal or from suppliers, uh, need to be designed and built to sub ten micron accuracy. That means like, I don't think even yeah, I, I, I don't think even Lockheed Martin using sub ten micron accuracy. <laughs> if Lego so, and like, soda cans uh, can, which are very low cost, oh my we can. God. Yeah. Also. Um, <sighs> Lego are not being driven down the road and hitting <laughs> uh, potholes. Oh, God. It's... Uh, man, Elon is quite something. Honestly. If you just, just, I, if you just stop taking him seriously and treat everything that's happening on Twitter as sort of like a reality show, it's, all, it, mm-hmm. it's a lot more fun. It, like, just don't it's worry like, about it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. So just, just enjoy yeah. it. True. Honestly, no, you have a good point there. Um, honestly, like, I sort of had, like, a similar take when um, Twitter got acquired, and I was just like, okay, mm. if Elon runs Twitter into the ground, that's a net benefit for humanity. If Elon makes Twitter better somehow, that's a net benefit for humanity. Mm-hmm. There's no losing here. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter was already a cesspool before Elon. Yeah. I right? think so like, that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Everybody forgot that. Like, they're talking about, oh, Twitter's so bad now. Like, no, it's always been bad. Like, what do you mean it's bad now? Like, it's just uh, bad in, like, different ways. Oh. But one thing I mean, remains so, yeah, consistent. Like, mm-hmm. Full of crypto scams. True. Um, so, about, yeah, so I... For some, like, now... Like, I guess I'm I'm sort of flagged as a part of crypto Twitter because I have a friend that sort of, like, is in that space. Right. Right. Sort of a large player in that space, and I, like, interact with them on Twitter a mm-hmm. bit. Right? So, like, at, like, on some of my posts, at least, right, I'll just, like, whenever I post, I'll instantly get, like, a bot, like, a crypto mm-hmm. bot, just, like, you know, a bunch of them, like, instantly replying. Yep. I'm like, yep. fucking horrible. Um, And then, of course, there's also, like, if you want to purposely fish bots, which I think is probably another pretty funny thing you can do, you know, mm-hmm. just start. I lost my MetaMask. <laughs> I lost my MetaMask wallet. I need an essay. <laughs> right? That's always fun to see what happens. Or I think the new one is like t shirts. Like, have you seen those bots that will like, like if you ever go on like, um, like one of those Twitter meme pages mm. and we'll have like an image. There are like these bots, which is honestly, it's actually quite clever. That will just take the meme and will just like put it on a t-shirt and just like create a product. I didn't know this. No, this... there are articles about this though, huh? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like it's pretty smart, but also like you know, it's spam all the same. It's definitely spam. But 
Oh, it's next generation spam. I'll say that. Like, the spammers are evolving. Is in that sense. Look, uh, hey, it's something new. It's it's something different from the crypto spammers and the OnlyFans spammers. Yeah. So I'll take it. I, yeah, at least each spam in a way is sort of unique there. Mm. Unique in quotes, right? Because, you know, it's based on the image that the person posted. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so, I, again, next generation spam. Um... Do you know oh, what we should enough. eventually talk about? We should eventually talk about the reason why I brought you here. <laughs> I I hope we won't go over time. No, we're only an hour in. Okay. Um, <laughs> like... So now that we've filtered everybody out and nobody's watching, uh, let's talk about the accent portal. Okay, so what would you like me... I mean, there's a lot of different ways I could address this because <clears throat> I, I think you've seen the PR. I, you, you made a video about it, yeah. of course, right? So... I guess, I guess the best way to yeah just I guess the best way to start is just explain what the portal is, why you needed a portal in the first place, what the problem is trying to solve is. Okay, so when we were designing um, Liphelium at Vera, so Liphelium is what the essentially the UI platform library that we developed. It's for GTK um, that we developed for TileOS, right and. We have, you know, lanes doing that design. So um, lanes, if you don't know, they're they're like a prominent like they used to make like a lot of indie like live away to apps. And they're actually like a part of the GNOME Foundation, right? Ah, so they okay. did like design for GNOME, but now they mostly do design for Fira stuff. So that's cool. Um, but they when they were designing that, right? They you know had an idea. It's like okay, what if we did something like Material U, right, mm -hmm. in our design library? So we would do is, okay, let's try this. So what we did is we would have, you know, allow the user to essentially set like an accent color. And then we have like our own implement. It's a, it's not exactly Material U, but mm -hmm. it's our, essentially we took the code from Material U, we ported it to Vala, and then we did a lot of modification and tweaking to get it to work better because there's quite a bit of issues in like the open source versions of Material U. Mm -hmm. um, and we just, you know, use the user's accent color there. And we're like, you know, it'd be neat because we want to people to use Liphelium apps outside of just Tau, you know, the Tau ecosystem, right? What if this, you know, sort of material US thing, where just the, the internal name is called Ensor, could work on, you know, other desktops, right? Known KD, et cetera. So you're like, mm. is there a standard for this? Oh, no, there isn't. This should be easy. So you're like, okay. <laughs> Lanes and I got into a call, the entire team, we got into a call and we just sort of banging out like the xml mm -hmm. you're like perfect and then we have a reference implementation lipium and then we have a reference implementation in our fork of the gnome portal mm -hmm. perfect bpr <laughs> and then oh no <laughs> so this was june 18th 2022 or june 17th i don't know time zones are weird june 20 june 18th for me um so you posted it on that day. What did you think would happen? Honestly, like, I looked at the other PRs, and they did, they seemed pretty mundane. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe there'll be some deliberation, right? Probably some discussion. Might take a bit because, you know, design by committee is usually that way. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were just chilling. We were just like, okay, let's wait. Right? I don't think... We expected it to go okay, right? 
In reality, though. <laughs> yeah, in reality, though. The one year, the one year bike shed, and honestly, I should have known in advance because it's usually in any type of like project, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually the minor things that get the most bike shedding because mm-hmm. you know it's minor. So I, there's a lot I could say about it. I'll just say, um. I don't well, even know what to, uh, I guess the best place to start is one of the early concerns that was had here about getting in contact with the uh, the various desktops. What okay. was done from your side? So, as... Okay, so a member of our team, I want to say, I think it was either Lanes or Jade, uh, contacted, actually did reach out to some desktops. I want to say KDE and some other. I don't know if we reached... I don't think we might... I don't think Gnome saw soon when we reached out to them. Right. So that's a thing. But I'm just going to sort of not really devil's advocate, but I'm just going to sort of say something here. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a bit controversial. I don't think it's our job to go to every desktop and reach out to them individually. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, before we make any like an issue or a PR on the public project. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that is because if you look at any other pro- like. I get what they're trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. But then you sort of have to consider, like, which desktops are important enough where we should reach out to them, mm-hmm. right? How are we going to keep the message and you know, all the communication between them, you know, sort of in a standardized way where we aren't missing details or we aren't omitting details by accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in sort of an open, like, in an open development module, like, model, your conversation like the conversation around development needs to be open as well and going just like a bunch of different desktops and matrix channels and like asking them hey we have this thing repeating the same thing again and again Mm -hmm. right in these private you know i don't want to say they're private but they're they're not exactly public either because you're sort of acting as the the bridge between these different groups rather than using the existing public location like the existing centralized location Exactly. So it's a lot more inefficient, and it just brings up a lot of questions, especially as said, like, which ones should we contact and right. such, right? And sort of that information asymmetry that can happen. So in our opinion, right, we don't believe that it's an effective model to go in, you know, contact all of you separately. And there's another reason as well, right? And when it, especially when it comes to, like, these non, like, when it comes to private or communications and such, right? Is that it's in a way it's also designed like reaching on this public space is also designed to protect ourselves mm-hmm. because in this like it's easy with these private communications for misrepresentations to happen right and having it in the centralized public record allows us to you know essentially absolve ourselves if we get you know if some drama happens and drama did happen especially behind the scenes <laughs> right so. In general, like, I think if you are going to say that this is an open development, you know, if you're going to say that um, open development is the goal, mm-hmm. right, community-led and open development is the goal, then it should be on a place that's open. Right? Right. I mean, I that's just my opinion. <laughs> I do agree that the actual discussion about the merits of the system for sure should be in the open discussion, without a doubt. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with informing the projects that this is something being worked on. That, I think, 
Like, just be like, hey, this is the thing that we're doing. If you want to get involved, here's where to get involved. I mean, and that's what we did. Okay. Right? But we weren't going to have the discussions in those individual rooms as mm-hmm. as, as far as, like, some of the criticism went. Mm-hmm. Right? Where they're like, you should probably have talked to Gnome Design about this. I'm like, no. Yeah, it sounded more you, like right? they wanted you to do it like upstream in their projects before coming I guess it'd be down yeah it'd be downstream. They wanted to you to go to the to the downstream projects first before you tried to upstream it. Yeah. I I I don't I really don't think that's like a good idea or compatible in open development model. Mm-hmm. Besides just you know like ping. Mm-hmm. And that that's probably a bit of a controversial take. But um that's just how I see it. And like, I the only like desktop, and I I really hate to single out people here because I'm not trying to put a target on my back, but the only desktop that really had an issue with this so far is GNOME. There were some and... concerns from the elementary side, but they okay, weren't yeah. hard concerns. It was like, hey, we'd prefer <laughs> to do named colors because this yeah. makes more sense for our model. But for the sake of getting somewhere, we're willing to like mm-hmm. work with what oh, the, the rest of the um, people want. Yeah, no, I should have specified. I was talking about when it came to reaching out to them individually. Oh, that. Those okay, were like yep, 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 the, okay, the yep. parties that had the concern. That was essentially just Gnome. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah. So, so I think, I, I think initially, for... be like, hey, I, I get it as a, like an initial thing. But once you're already here, like, we don't need to have a discussion about the fact that we didn't talk exactly. to you. We're already talking to you right now. That's that's in the past. Let's talk about the actual yeah, it, thing. It, yeah, it, it, it doesn't. And, Cause that like, was in a, the future. That, that was, like, way mm-hmm. too long of the discussion as well, just focusing on, like, why didn't you talk to us? Yeah, it was a bit petty, I guess you could yeah. say. And I will say, in the future, besides, you know, a simple ping, which is what we did, right? As far as I know. Um, we aren't going to have these discussions in private spaces or individualized spaces. And that's like, that aspect is probably not going to change if we do make a future contribution to XCG portals. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard stand we're taking just because of the reasons I mentioned before, mm-hmm. as well as um, the point I made about the, you know, being able to absolve yourself in cases like hostility. Yep. That's become more important to us as well. So favoring that sort of public forum is something we want to, you know, we prefer. Was this um, the first bit of work you got involved with? Sorry for cutting you off. But was this the first bit of work you got involved with where there's been, like, this much discussion and controversy around it? Yes. It was. Um... Yeah, this was really the first thing that popped off this hunt, as you could say. <laughs> and it's I, I'm I'm very disappointed. Like I'm disappointed, right? I'm happy that's over as well, but obviously we will still contribute stuff upstream when we can, right? But this entire situation has sort of turned us off mm-hmm. from a lot of this, mm-hmm. right? I, there was, um, I really don't know how much I can share without, like, naming single people, right? 
but there was hostility behind the scenes in private spaces, right? Oh, so there's there more was than, more than just what we saw in the thread then. Yeah. Okay. There was things like there was hostility and discussions in private spaces that did not go well, right? Mm -hmm. They're sort of like past. I don't. I guess you could say like sort of. I don't want to say past trauma, but past relationships, as far as I know, did come into effect mm -hmm. between some of our developers and some other parties. It was not a great situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to say that I regretted ever wanting to contribute to upstream, because I think it was in the best interest of the community to have this as an upstream thing. Mm -hmm. But as I said before, it just sort of it sort of disenchanted the entire thing for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what? I just wish as as like, yeah, as, as a community, we, we could, I just wish as a community, we could, you know, at least have a bit more I guess you could say, I don't want to, I don't know how to word it, but just work a bit better together. Uh, compromise, maybe? Yeah, compromise, I guess you could say. Yeah. Sure. So, the main point of contention in here was over <laughs> named colors and arbitrary colors. So, I guess just for anyone who didn't see the video, the, the, the basic idea is named colors would be a set list of colors that then or set list of color names, they'll then be defined, the actual color will be defined by the desktop. So you would have, say, red, blue, green, so on and so forth, but the meaning of red, blue, green would be defined by GNOME. It would be defined by KDE in their upstream port, or their, sorry, their downstream portals that are being used on their desktop. Um, mm -hmm. So the application would say, I want... <clears throat> It would say, I want the the accent color red, and then depending on the desktops being run on, it would use whatever red is defined by that. Then you have arbitrary colors, which is more akin to what the user would expect, where I set the color, uh, let's say, 255.00. So I set the color red. And then that red is used, assuming the same color space. Obviously, if you're outside of sRGB, things get weird then. But assuming the same color space, it is the same color regardless of where the application is being run. Is that correct? Or did I misunderstand anything there? No, you, you understood correctly. So yeah, essentially the difference is, I'll just reiterate just to make sure. The difference is, instead of in named colors, right, the portal will return essentially one of a predefined set of colors, which would be like red, orange, yellow, etc., right? Where an arbitrary color, you would just, the portal would essentially just return an arbitrary sRGB color. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Okay. That's the main difference. You explained that a lot more con coherently and uh, concisely than I did. Yeah. So here's our opinions. And I think we've held these opinions from the start on this, right? I don't think named colors serve the if you're gonna in it sort of an open standard it has to keep going to open right open standard like this right in an open public standard like this you want to cater to i don't want to say you don't necessarily want to cater to all parties mm -hmm. right but you want to be generic enough where each platform can make their own restrictive decisions on their own right. or how they interpret that on their own 
right? So that's our main reason for wanting arbitrary, but also because like with name colors, you have the question, what colors mm-hmm. should go in there in the first place, right? And you can think, oh, we'll just put like red, yellow, green, but there's probably some other color that's missing that you probably want. And also there's going to be desktop disagreements like of what color should be in that set. Right? And I, so one other of... thing is you have a desktop that wants to be focused around blue, for example. So they have a bunch of different versions of blue or they're focused around green exactly. or a bunch of different versions of green. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another thing. Like, um, in when it comes to just our own cases, like at Fira and how, right? As I mentioned before, we have the color, you know, we have the engine that mm-hmm. generates the color palettes for the app, Libhelium apps, mm-hmm. right? It's, I said it before, it's like material you, you like. And what we do is we have an option, in addition to predefined colors that you can select from, we have an option where the user can essentially take a wallpaper, their current wallpaper, and then blend it into an arbitrary color, and then okay. use that as the color that's used to derive the palette. Huh. And that doesn't really work well with named colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, as you can, you know, for obvious reasons, you, use, you lose a lot of precision when you, you know, go from the entire sRGB space, right, to 6, 10, 16 mm-hmm. named colors. And, you know, you have KD as well. And KD won't just, you know, wants people to do whatever the fuck they want in that sense, right? So, again, like, it makes more sense in that regard. You know, this is a protocol, right? The user is not going to be, like, cons- like, you know, the user is not going to be consuming the accent color sent by the portal directly. Mm-hmm. The platform is, right? Mm-hmm. And as, you know, as a standard, the platform is free, as with any other standard, right? The platform is free to interpret these values how they wish. Mm-hmm. In the case of GNOME, if they want to snap it to an, a named color, good for them. For us, we want to run it through our fancy color engine, right? Good for us. AD, just show the color, good for them, right? So the actual color being sent is more of a concern of the platform than of the standard, mm-hmm. in our opinion. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I I can understand why a platform like GNOME... Like, there was a really good explanation about why GNOME wants to use name colors. Like, that makes sense, why you want to have these set colors that then you define other colors off of that to increase the level of contrast. Like, that makes sense from an implementation perspective. I totally understand that. But... That shouldn't be limiting what what KDE wants to do, what Budgie wants to do, what... Actually, Cosmic doesn't really care. Like, <laughs> Cosmic would just work with... Like, they, they don't exist yet anyway, so they're just going to work with whatever exists. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like, as far as I know, right, I, I think one of... I want to say, I don't know who has a contact with somebody from Co- who's working on Cosmic, mm-hmm. right? But I think they were interested in supporting, like, I, I could be totally wrong, so very sorry if I'm misinterpreting or if I just misremembered. Um, as far as I know, they do want to have some sort of like arbitrary color. Jeremy did say that in the thread, yes. Can... Yeah, but um, I don't think they had too much an opinion on how the protocol went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but yeah. please continue. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, um, I don't know where I was going. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll just shift to this. Of the <laughs> the desktops that were involved, so that we had Gnome, Budgie, uh, Katie, Cosmic, and Elementary. Mm-hmm. Katie seemed like. So the the weird thing with like Linux desktop, right, is when we talk about KDE and GNOME being the biggest desktops, that's true, but it's in the sense that KDE is the second biggest to this monolith that is GNOME. GNOME is so much bigger than the KDE project that mm-hmm. whilst they are certainly the two biggest, like the the amount of weight of what like the the weight of the gnome project is so much larger and i don't want to say that they throw that around as if like everyone's just going to listen but in this case it certainly seems like that's what was happening yeah no i god i i have to be very careful about no no that's if you you don't if there's anything you don't want to say i i i have look i have um i have staff to protect here. No, totally and fair, totally I, fair. He's already seen so much going on, and I don't want to subject him to any more, so I, I'm very sorry if I'm going to be very vague here, right? Um, If you want to move on from the topic, we can do that. That's fine with me. Yeah, I... Here's what I'll say, right? I think an ecosystem, which puts... Obviously, GNOME, right? They are the largest desktop, right? That's fair enough, right? I think GNOME... I, I, I love their design, actually, right? I think that has you a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. On the opposite hand, right? I don't think we should put GNOME in a GNOME in a place where they can essentially dictate the entire ecosystem for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I don't think an ecosystem that puts GNOME as a first-class citizen and the other desktops as somewhat below that, right? It's something that is ideal for any user. Mm-hmm. Of the Linux desktop, and I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think I can say much more. Without no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Putting my putting, you know, as I mentioned before, why I can't speak more about things. No, that's that's totally understandable. No, I get that. Um, well, we can talk about some of the other things that. Uh, Fear Labs is involved with, like you. Sure. Um, right now on the Fear Labs website, you have the broken version of the TowerOS uh website, but oh no, you have the also actual working version where the where the link is. There it is. Okay, there's the actual link. Yeah. Okay. So, what is TowerOS? Okay, so essentially. Okay. Put it in short, right? It's essentially what it's our interpretation, Fear's interpretation of what a modern Linux desktop, right, ought to do for the average user, mm-hmm. right? So what I mean by this is um, one of the major, like, for example, I think the Linux desktop has progressed really far, right? And you know, we're getting to a point where you know um, you can run like you know Linux on your old laptop or even you know new desktop and such, and it works pretty decently. But something that 
this ecosystem doesn't really have that we want to experiment with is okay how about cross device workflows right mm. so that's actually one of the like foundations of this project so um we have a we're developing right a syncing service that will allow you allow applications to essentially plug in to the service mm -hmm. and then essentially just have an end-to-end encrypted sync between all their devices running tau right uh -huh. and essentially like for example let's take a notes application right it kind of suck if you know you could only access your notes on one device right i have a laptop and a desktop right or there might be workflows where you have multiple devices our sync daemon provides that and our sync daemon also does things for applications that are not you know in the tau ecosystem right so for example um nicely something that's really nice is that flat packs store all their application data in a centralized location mm. we can sync all those files between devices which means if you have like any application that's a flat pack right uh -huh. that stores local data that data will be accessible on any other device running tau that's signed to your same account and um, that's essentially one of the core concepts that Tau isn't something that's constructed to one device. It's rather, it's in addition to the actual operating system itself, it's also the workflow that you have between other devices running Tau. Because this yeah. is something that exists on the Apple side nowadays, where like, you know, you can just go between all of your devices and it's just, it's all, I just, <laughs> I just got distracted looking at the study page and the Wikipedia page you have open is, is, uh, oh is Catgirl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in like the Apple ecosystem, like you can go between your devices and because of all of their their magical whatever stuff going on in the background, like it's just all... It's, it's treated as if you're in an ecosystem, which is not something that... Like you can do this already on Linux. It's just... A lot of extra steps you need to take, and it sounds exactly. like what you're trying it's, to do is sort mm -hmm. of streamline that process. Exactly. We want to take, you know, you have like all of these separate, you know, we, we sort of want to create. Hmm. This is probably an unfair comparison to make, right? But as sort of Ubuntu, sort of arguably revolutionized in a sense, like. The ease of use for the end user mm -hmm. when it comes to like syncing up a sync, you know, setting up a single workstation, right? We sort of want to take it a step further and sort of put our own like spin of what should a operating system and desktop in twenty twenty three provide for its mm -hmm. users, you know, that aren't incredibly technical or technical at all, really. Mm -hmm. So that's um, our goal there. I mean, if there's any other questions, um, well, like any, if you want to know anything about the specifics of how it works, I can share as well. Uh, okay, so is Tau OS like a fully original distro? Is it based on something that already exists? Like, what? Are you, where are you going with it? Like, how? Yeah. Okay, so we actually, when we started the project, we sort of looked at like different bases because obviously we weren't going to build an entire like. There's no need to repackage everything in the universe. Yeah. Right? For like our in our own package manager. So we we built, we decided, okay, we had a couple options. I think it initially like it came to like Arch with OS tree and then Fedora with RPM OS tree. And we looked at the ecosystem and stuff, and we saw, okay, for our use case, Fedora with RPM OS tree, pretty good decision to go with. And so far we've been pretty happy with that, right? Um 
to be clear, we wanted something that was immutable, mm -hmm. right? Because again, this is something that end users, like normal users, are going to be running, right? Non-technical. So we want something that's you know relatively stable and that is hard to break. Mm -hmm. And OS tree gives us that. Um, Do you so find yeah, anything in the current state of immutable desktops to be limiting so far? Because I there is a lot of people with a lot of opinions on immutability, but I'm curious where you stand on it. Okay. Um, mm. Sorry. So, limiting, right? I will say that it's... um. As a developer, because I used to actually like, like, I mean, as a developer, I used to use like a silver blue a lot. It actually worked pretty well, but yeah, there are some things because I do weird stuff, as I mentioned before, where sort of that immutability sort of can get in the way of my development, you know, tasks. And in general, there have been workarounds that have helped with that. So, for example, DistroBox, amazing, right? Um, Flatpak sort of prevents the need to install, you know, applications as system packages. So that's another thing that helps a lot, mm -hmm. right? And then whenever, if I really need it, um, RPS RPM OS tree has this really neat feature, which allows you to essentially make the system mutable when you okay. want it to. So what it will do is it will put an overlay on your root file system, mm -hmm. and that overlay is writable. Mm -hmm. But when you reboot that overlay file system just gets dropped. Mm. So it allows you to mutate the system without actually mutating the system. Mm -hmm. So that's been really useful in development use cases for us. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is that if you're doing... I think immutability, like, I think people have a skewed perspective of what immutability is mm -hmm. because they hear the word immutable and they think, Oh, fuck, right? I'm not going to be able to configure anything on this crap, yeah. right? So I think that's a really, like, bad marketing. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's... I think that's, um... I, I was going to say... Like, I get, I get oh, what... Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, please continue. <laughs> I was going to say that I don't... I've said before that I don't like the term immutability, much like I don't like the term free software. It's a needlessly confusing term that has baggage that sort of leads you away from what the intended meaning is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, like, I do get why it's called immutability, like immutable, mm -hmm. right? Because it makes sense, like, but we, we really do need a different name for it. That's mm -hmm. not like immutable. Like I image based is one that I've heard, which works. Um, Although, to be honest, I don't really know about the good term either. Mm -hmm. I Atomic? Uh -huh. I think that one's decent. I... Yeah, no. When it comes to... Naming's I'm hard. not exactly a... Yeah, naming is really hard. I think I'm not exactly a marketing person either, so... I can't really say much there. But, um... We... Yeah, I just... I think... Immutability... Right in general, I think it can work for much. Hmm. I would just say give it a shot. Right, mm. install Silverblue, give it a shot. Right, I think it can work for your. I think it can work for a lot of people's workflows, unless you're, you know, in certain development circumstances, it's probably not the best. Right, but 
especially because you can layer packages on Silverbullet and such, right? I think he can work for most people. Mm -hmm. And I really, I would really implore you to like anybody to just like try it up. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the but... case for pretty much everything. Like, just don't take what other people said at face value. Like, all this yeah. stuff is free. Like, it it's just gonna cost you a bit of time. Try it out, see what it's like. If you don't like it, go back to what you had before. Exactly. Hey, at least if you find, you know, you don't like it, at least you learn more about something that's exactly, you know, yeah. happening and developing in the space. Mm -hmm. Right. So, on the topic of OS tree, though, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen like I think there's been like a sort of I don't want to say renaissance, but sort of like a uh, a lot of stuff going on in the mutability space, especially recently with like vanilla and all that stuff going on, right? Because immutability has been around for much longer than you know, you know, most people are aware of. Like, um, it started off as I want to say either Project Atomic or 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 the original CoreOS, right? And like, you know. CG app and all that crap, and you know, but immutable like the whole immutability thing has only been getting the limelight recently. And I will say that, like, I guess one of the disappointments for me mm -hmm. is that a lot of the new immutable distros are going for an AB like root model mm -hmm. rather than something OS tree like. And the reason why that's disappointing to me is because. I don't want to say it feels like a cop-out, but it's it doesn't give quite the same features that something like OS tree does. So for example, on OS tree, um, I it's a very easy comparison to compare it to Git, mm -hmm. right? So in OS tree, you have commits of an operating system, and you can roll back a commit. You can jump between commits. You have branches. You can jump between branches, and that allows you to do a lot of powerful stuff, mm -hmm. right? And then um, OS tree, like you can has like its own system of OS deployments. So you can have a root partition, right? But it's sort of like dual booting where you can have multiple OS deployments that are deployed to a separate branch and you can boot between them and you can even have like isolated data between those like deployments. So it's really nice in that way, right? And I see, and I, un and I do understand why a lot of these newer products are going for AB root over OS tree, right? Um, it AB root system is because it's a lot easier to work with. Yep, yep. Right? It's much more simple, and you get to use the existing tooling. Like, you get to use the mutable package managers, mm -hmm. right? In a sense. But I just do wish that this be... I do wish this is becomes more of a stopgap rather than the end destination when mm -hmm. it comes to mutability. I think there are powerful things you can do when you treat your system as an image or as this atomic component that aren't going to be achieved by this AB root model. Mm. And that's like, I guess that's sort of my criticisms of what vanilla is doing immutability wise and like other distros as well. I certainly think it's worth experimenting with. Like, this is sort of goes back to some of the stuff said before that. Whilst we have this OS tree model, and this OS tree model seems like it does a really good job, maybe there is something better. Maybe that isn't AB root. Like, maybe it's not something like that. Maybe it's something something else different. But if we just stick with this one system, we won't sort of realize what else is possible. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. 
Of course. Um, no, I totally agree. I obviously you can. Some people argue that you know I'm biased because how does use OS tree? But we are looking into, and we will actively look into other methods that get us closer to our goal when yep. they become available or when we develop them. Right. So, for example, um, Lenart Pottering, right? Oh God, controversial figure, right? <laughs> uh, has been doing some really interesting stuff with Secure Boot and Immutability. I don't know if you've seen his blog. You should read it if you haven't. I not um, that specifically. But if you want to get a preview of what's going to happen in Linux in the next ten years, reading his blog, reading it must. Um, let me find it. Give me a second. And there's a specific article I want to show you. Linux boot petitions. How to set them up? Uh, if, if you can find it. Blog. Yeah, I have it like in my notes somewhere because I. Yeah, there we go. Uh, okay, so this is the blog. There's a specific article I want to find. Oh yeah, okay. I found the blog. That that part I found just fine. If you know what the actual blog post Here. is called, yes, you got it. Um, I think I found it. Let me just skim through it. It's pretty long, so you probably okay. can't, you know, show it here. But um, I would read it when you have the chance. I want to say. Uh... Oh, this is not it. Okay. <laughs> Ah, okay. There's so much yeah. going on here. Yeah, like he his blog posts are just giant. Well, they're also this one. Unless I'm missing something, there's not like different pages for them, is there? I think it's all just on one page. Maybe yeah. it's like pageant <laughs> at the bottom. I God, I hate this so much. <laughs> Does someone need to teach Lenart Okay, wait. Um, no, I, I found... I, um, one second. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so this website, um, this blog is not the greatest, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Like, I found the, I found that the paragraph that's uh -huh. relevant, but I need to find the title element so I can actually link to it. Right. Um, um, so Lenar, um, if you're ever watching this, right, hit us up <laughs> consulting <laughs> services at fearlots.com. <coughs> we'll make uh, you an awesome block. Uh, god, this is it. Okay, Perfect. yes, fitting everything together, and this is essentially like Lenar's view of what, like, a essentially a next generation Linux based operating system could look like. Mm -hmm. So he talks about a lot of stuff like secure boots, use how we could use the TPM, um, immutability, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which you know, obviously, because it's Lenart, he's basing all of this on existing system D and new system D utilities, mm -hmm. right? So, like, um, something uses which I haven't seen used in the you know, by a current distribution for, um, immutability i'm trying to find or like i'm trying to find something i think it's like called sys image oh, no. um there's sys update which is related right mm -hmm. and this is like his version of like how immutability could work i okay i sent you a man page it's not very descriptive again the article does much more justice right, to the right. concepts but um that being said right um I think we're still in the beginning of realizing this, I guess, this brave new immutable, immutable future, mm -hmm. right? 
And I'm just really excited to see what we can come out of this. And if that means there's something that surpasses OS tree and AB root, perfect, right? I want something better if there is, if that's a thing, right? But at the moment, OS tree we've decided is the best fit technically for us for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. No, that's understandable. Mm. I yeah, I'll definitely have to go have a read of this. Um, I've not looked at Lennart's blog in quite a while, but clearly he has a lot to say here. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think one of the amazing amazing one of the great things about um Lennart is the downfalls and sort of the thing that makes Lennart great as a developer is that he's very opinionated. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you get a lot of the controversy around that, you know, system D, obviously. But you also get like a lot of really new interesting ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what's being here. And you might not agree with them, but somebody needs to do the work, right? Somebody needs to ask the questions. The fun and thing so with, far... with like system D and Pulse Audio is even though he's like really opinionated, he's right. <laughs> no, he is right. I People don't like the way he talks, people... but he's right. Yeah, no, I don't think people really, especially in this modern day, I don't think people really understood what the world was like before System B and Pulse Audio. Mm -hmm. It was not fun. <laughs> um, look, I, I, you can believe it's some Red Hat, Microsoft, CIA, <laughs> lizard conspiracy that <laughs> System D got adopted. But in reality, the reason why System D got adopted is because it was less shitty than the other options. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know. And it's easy to look, it's easy to, from our sort of more up-to-date privileged position, like, go back and be like, oh yeah, System D sucks. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't really, like, played in the world without System D, and I don't mean the, like, I don't mean, like, currently, like, Gen 2 without System D or, like, Alpine without System D, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the other service managers caught, you know, have made leaps since System D, you know, to catch up, mm -hmm. right? But I mean a world be before, like it actually before system, mm -hmm. right? It's not great. And I am truly glad that we have something like system D. Even if, you know, Leonard is not the best well-spoken, or, you know, not that well-spoken when it comes to communicating, like, you know, amicably communicating yeah. his ideas to other people. Well, this is, that's kind of true with a lot of people in the, the FOSS world. Like, Linus Torvalds is a great example of this, especially old Torvalds back in, like, 20, <laughs> 2010, like, sort of era. Back then, <laughs> like, there's a reason why he has, like, he had a reputation of being an absolute arsehole on the mailing list. Because he was. Like, just, absolutely. He was not, and it wasn't just English being a second language. It was... Linus was just not going to deal with you. Like, it's just, he's got better things to do. Of course. I, I mean, yeah, like, um, it's often the most opinionated people that generally make the most change, mm -hmm. right? And with opinions comes controversy and disagreement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just, I mean, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I feel like the comment section is going to be a bunch, full of a bunch of System D haters now. <laughs> I'm gonna get called a Lenart bootlicker or something. I don't know. It's fine. I am I am YouTube's top whale and propagandist, so you need a nickname as well. Okay. Um <laughs> Oh god, I'll have to think of one. <laughs> I 
gotta think of something. Hmm. I'm sure they'll give you one. They will figure something out. They always do. Yep. Yep. They always do. So, um. besides um, Tau OS, you also yeah. have uh, Ultramarine Linux and the Terra repository. So, I guess we should talk about those as well. Okay. Um, I will say there's quite a bit missing that I haven't talked about in the Tau. Oh, version, yeah. If, if there's anything you want to talk about I, with Tau, we can love, keep but, on that. But, yeah. yeah, but um, just to go with the flow of things, we'll. I don't know. Maybe I'll revisit later within this, but. Let's just go on to Ultramarine because okay, sure. I think that conversation sort of lasted a while. Okay. Um, in the term Ultramarine, Ultramarine as a project existed before Vera. Mm -hmm. It was actually a separate thing. Okay. Um, it was run by um, I think it was like yeah, um, but it was a separate thing. It was like it's um, and essentially the goal was to make Fedora, but less uh, Fedora without. I guess you could say without such a hardline stance, stance on certain things. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is uh, Ultramarine, obviously Fedora does this now, but, you know, Ultramarine would ship FlatHub by default. Mm -hmm. It would ship, you know, drivers by default. Basically, everything we just, everything that we believed and a normal user or an end user would need mm -hmm. that Fedora doesn't need because of some, you know, because of their ideology, mm -hmm. that's what Ultramarine was. Mm -hmm. Right. And we looked at the project, and the main developer of it was sort of getting burnt out, and we're like, okay, you'll, we'll help you with this, right? So we took on Ultramarine, right? And the main developer actually, you know, still is at Fira, still works on Ultramarine, as well as other things, right? And what we did is, you know, we're continuing on the vision, like we've done some other improvements, like we've shipped the... We're now shipping a System 76's scheduler, which helps a lot if you're not on a laptop and connected to power. It essentially increases the priority of the audio server as well as um, whatever is currently focused on the desktop, mm -hmm. right? But the main thing that came out of that entire like sort of merger, I guess you could call it, right, is just um, we realized we had like duplicate like packages because you know there's a lot of software that's missing from. Fedora, right? Mm -hmm. And that's on RPM Fusion. We had a lot, you know, duplicate packages that were in both Tau and Ultramarine. We wanted a place to put them. And the Ultramarine people were actually working on a build system for RPM packages. And it's pretty good, if I say so myself. And what we did is we created, essentially, we created the Andaman Common Repositories, which became Terra, because the Andaman Common Repositories is probably not a good name for marketing. Uh, how do you even spell that? A N D A M A N. Andaman. Yeah. Because no, the, it's not. the build system <laughs> is. Yeah. The build system is called Onda. Right. right. So we have created the Ottoman common Terra now. Right. And the idea was is it's everything in Fedora mm -hmm. you will need. Right. So essentially it's, a com it's the community repository for Fedora without the limitations of Fedora. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's easier to contribute to than RPM Fusion. Mm hmm. So how it works is it's pretty simple. You go on the GitHub, you can make a fork, you can write a spec file, and then you pull it, you just make a PR, right? And we have uh, a pretty, like, I don't want to say it's complex, but it's a, Wait, so, we have sorry, a pretty extensive, um, like, system. Similar yeah. to, like, the AUR's model, then, I guess. It's kind of like the AUR, but it's more, it's, hmm, it's a single repository, you have to note that. Right? Okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. So there are so unlike the AR or 
we do vet packages when they go in the repository, mm-hmm. right? We do basically, you know, we do some vetting and such, but in general, you can basically contribute as much, you can tri- contribute whatever you want, mm-hmm. as long as the package is not malicious, broken, bad, or if it doesn't get a suit, or if it gets a suit, right? <laughs> if it doesn't get a suit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the idea, yeah, we just want to be that sort of missing community repository for mm-hmm. Fedora. And so far we built, you know, as I mentioned, we have the on-demand tool chain and that allows us to essentially have all these spec files in a single Git repository, right? Mm-hmm. And just makes it easy to manage it as a mono repository, just all of these. And the other cool thing that on-demand does is it will automatically update packages. So if an upstream project makes a new release of some piece of software that's uh-huh. in Para, right? On-demand, every 30 minutes, we're actually reducing it to 10 minutes, we'll pull these new releases. Mm-hmm. And if a new release is detected, it will code mod the spec file and push it to the Git repository, which causes a rebuild, which causes it to get uploaded to the Terra, you know, the actual repository, which means oftentimes you get updates extremely fast or rolling release in that sense. How often does that cause issues when, you know, dependency versions change or bugs get pushed up? Like, how much extra maintenance overhead is there for that? Not that much, actually. So it's actually not... Like, I don't want to say it's definitely... It's there, right? There is extra burden there, but um, it's a breakage is surprisingly not too common. Okay. Right? Because in general, projects don't really, like, fundamentally, like, either change the structure of what files they install, or they don't really change the build process much. Mm-hmm. And at least from the projects we bundle, right, they very rarely, like, change their dependencies. Mm-hmm. Right? Except in the... And for projects that do change their dependencies, right, um, I... Era will like automatically generate the dependency list for I want to say Rust and Go packages based on the RPM helpers that already exist. Mm-hmm. So we have that covered there. And um, I mean, we're doing some workflow improvements that are going to help the things. So instead of committing directly to the repository, we're going to have it so it gates. So it creates a pull request. It will run CI on that pull request. And if CI passes, we will automatically merge it. If it doesn't, we'll have we'll have some sort of system that automatically maintains the correct, like automatically pings the correct person that handles it. And we've surprisingly got like quite a few, like like quite a bit of the community around Terra. But I didn't expect because essentially, like initially, remember, it just started as a dump being packages shared between Tau and Ultramarine. Right. So, and we sort of expanded out to just this Fedora community thing. But we've had, like, um, I think his name is, his GitHub name is Catmaster. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is he's repack. Yeah, I know. He's repackaged, um, you know, the Unity desktop, right? Yes. He's repackaged that for Fedora. <laughs> um, Lemiri. So I, I often joke that uh, Fedora is the best place to run Unity. Mm. After Ubuntu. Uh, yeah, so I he also packaged Lemiri, which is the version of Unity that for Ubuntu Mobile. Uh huh. Um, he's packaged KD Liquid Shell, which I didn't even know existed, right? Which is like some lightweight version of Plasma, I want to say. I don't okay. exactly remember, but a lot of desktop components. And then we actually had a, have another arrangement, or 
not really range them, but another thing where um, I don't know if you're aware of Prism Launcher, those people. Um, the, the the Minecraft launcher, yeah, yeah. So they actually, I I want to say, I think uh, one of our developers who were in their Discord and they're talking about like Fedora packaging and such, and you're like, hey, we have this thing, right? And we had like you know Prism Launcher RPMs. They would have them on Copper, right? Mm -hmm. As well as Terra. But here's the thing, because Terra has a process for autom for automatically updating stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We were able to offer a nightly build of Prism. Right? Here's where things get even funnier. Because Terra will automatically update repository for the nightly builds, the copper repository actually uses the it, it rebuilds it, but it uses the the spec files, like the code modded ones, from Terra to build the nightly packages in <laughs> copper. Wow, okay. Because, or Prism Launcher at least. And I think they're trying to get into um the normal Fedora repositories, but mm -hmm. That's the thing where the auto-update system can become really useful when it comes to nightly packages. It's also saved me a lot of times where, um, for some, like, if I have the Vola compiler, right, there's some feature I need a nightly that's not unstable. No. I just make a nightly package and will automatically update. Boom, I have it there. So I will say, if, if, you are, if there are RPMs missing for Fedora and you are interested in, like, you know, anybody who's, you know, is watching is interested in contributing, you know, RPMs or introduces packaging in general on your own Fedora. Take a look at Terra. We will, like, we will help you if you have any questions. We have, I want to say, pretty decent documentation on how Terra works as a mm -hmm. system. And um, yeah, that's really all I can, much I can say about Terra. Unless you have questions, of course. No, um, that honestly sounds like really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I didn't know that. Like I. I thought it was, like, wait, let me think. I, I have this problem where I, I start speaking before I think about what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I wasn't aware that, you know, Terra was this thing that people were actually, um, actually using. Because I, I, I hadn't heard of it before I saw it on your website. So what sort of reception uh, have you been getting from it? Initially, we got um, some negative reception, okay. like because of like, oh, why do you need another repository? Fair right? enough. Yeah. But I think people found that, hey, you know, there is software here that you genuinely can't get from other places. Like, mm. I think one of the major things for us for us was um, when I want to say Fedora thirty eight or thirty seven dropped Pantheon, the Pantheon okay. desktop. We just scooped up all of those RPM specs, specs, and we just re we've just popped them to Terra. Mm. And that's actually what powers the Ultramarine Pantheon build that we have. Ah, but okay. not only that, you know, if you want Pantheon Fedora, there's one place to get it now. Mm. Terra.fearlabs.com. Uh, so, <laughs> um, no, but there's, uh, I think another, like, another reception, you know, is, uh, I want to say it was, have you heard of Sodalite for Fedora? Um, it's an immutable desktop. I'm forgetting what it you can guess. Yeah, I don't remember. Search up, uh, it's Fedora. It's a semi-popular-ish. I I don't know. Actually, I don't know how popular it is, but it's a immutable. It's think oh, of it as Silverblue, Pan but Pantheon. Yeah, Pantheon. Right. Okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. So because they were using the Pantheon packages from Fedora, right, and those got pulled. Mm -hmm. You know, we we found the maintainer of 
Soda Light because they've had an issue and it's like, we might not be able to release like a version for 38. And we're like, hey, we have this repository. We have Pantheon packages. Use it. And they use it and they seem pretty happy with it so far. Wow. Yeah. But um, there's always, you know, we're looking to grow. We're looking to get more packages in. We're currently planning a 39 release for the upcoming Fedora 39. Mm -hmm. So, how that goes. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you have a lot of stuff going on here. I, because I, I wasn't aware of most of what you've had gotten involved with before I sort of did a dig through the website and dig through like your Twitter and stuff, but there is a lot of really cool stuff you've got yourself involved with and people around you've gotten involved with. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we do necessarily a great job at marketing ourselves and just sort of like explaining what we do. Right. Like this, all this different things we do in general, which is something I want to work on. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I, we're doing like some, updates to the website to just better explain things and then we also want to like actually like start making social like posts on like twitter or whatever the fuck it is um and the metaverse stuff metaverse and stuff so hopefully you know we can put ourselves out there a bit more but um yeah there's a lot of different things that we do like um i think one of the more exciting things that coming that's coming up that we have internally developed this is the first time that's going to be you know in the public Mm -hmm. um we have one of i want to say one of the former maintainers or contributors of have you heard of i think it's zen mod um i don't think that ring, no i don't think that rings a bell it's um it was some like popular like custom patch of the kernel like something let me find it let me search it up i know like a lot of like let me find that um Oh wait! There I it is. Uh, actually, no. I think I I might know what you're talking about. Yeah. So Zenmod, right? I, mean, yeah. I think we have like I think they were like a former maintainer or contributor of project. I either maintainer or contributor, right? We have them working on essentially. We don't really have a good name for it. We just call it the Fear Kernel in quotes, right? Mm -hmm. Which is going to be um, a compilation, right? Sort of. A, of different performance and um, different performance and support like hardware support patches, mm -hmm. right? As well, you know that are already found in the wild and you know other builds, but mm -hmm. also um, some the person um, that's working on this right now has like some experience with like the Android kernel and the Android ecosystem and stuff. So they're actually like taking some optimizations that Android has done for their kernel, and they're bringing it here. You know. Oh wow. Yeah. So there's going to be some like really interesting stuff happening there. Um, everything's in development right now, right? But that's so I can't give like any release date or any other details besides that. Understandable. But we hope to have a build in Altering Linux and hope and hopefully in Terra, hopefully the wire ecosystem in general. Uh, sorry, when you cut out for a moment then? Oh, sorry. Um, I was saying, so we hope to have like, we hope to be able to ship it. Eventually. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, in Ultramarine, in at least Ultramarine, maybe we'll throw it into Terra and we, you know, hope other people from other distributions can take advantage of, you know, that sort of work that we're doing there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I guess, um, yeah, I, we, we could get into more, but we are also closing in on the, the, uh, the two hour mark now. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to go over it. If... No, I, yeah, th no, that's fair. Um, I guess let, uh, if there's any final words you want to say, anything you feel like we just need to mention before we, uh, before we end it off and do like sign offs. I guess um, if you're interested in the work that we're doing at Pure and just or just me in general, I'm not that interesting, but if I am <laughs> to you for some reason, um, Twitter, uh, my Twitter is uh, Layton underscore underscore. I know, very strange. Um, oh, that is Layton. Mastodon will be L's. Yeah, they will be in. I hope they will be in the description. They will be in the description. Yes. Yeah. Um, my Macedon slash Fediverse is um, at Leah at Ordinary.cafe. Um, for Fira stuff, go to firalabs.com. It links to everywhere else, right? We have a lovely Discord. Join it if you're interested. Um, lovely GitHub repositories as well. Okay, I didn't really know where I was going with that. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of things we're doing. And I guess other final words is just. Um, Hmm. Hmm. I <laughs> I hope I can see all of you all of you soon eventually. <laughs> Again. Um is that all of the links you want to mention nothing else that you've forgotten about? Oh yeah, of course. Um oh. If your company needs some open source <laughs> consulting worked on <laughs> Go on, get ship the company, it's fine. If, you're, <laughs> if you are in a business and they need some open source consulting work done or DevOps work, or we even do media production now, right? We have like a pretty wide range of consulting services. Hit us up. You can check on the main Fira site, fearlabs.com, or just email us, as I mentioned before, and as the bots will know, services at fearlabs.com, and we will we will make you right. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Okay. <laughs> no, nothing more to show. Is that it? Um, yeah, I, as far as I know, there's nothing else I should chill here, but those are... Yeah, I, that's basically it there. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Cool. As for me, the main channel is Brody Robertson. I do Linux videos there six-ish days a week. I am... Way ahead of schedule right now. This is being recorded on September 10th for me. I don't know when this is being released. Probably towards the end of the month. Uh, I need to take mm. like I need to take two weeks off. I just need to take a couple of weeks off and stop recording podcasts. But I keep finding <laughs> interesting people to talk to, so it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Uh, the gaming channel is Brody Rob uh, Brody on Games. I stream on YouTube and Twitch twice a week on Thursday and Friday, 10 a.m. A C S T A S T. I don't know. Just looking when I'm alive on the channel. I posted on Twitter. Um, I don't remember what my time zone is. Uh, right now, I probably am still playing through Armored Core Six, and I may have finished Final Fantasy Sixteen. In which case, I don't know what's in that slot. Maybe God of War Two. Maybe Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters. I don't know. 
work, we'll just go there and work it out. If you listen to the audio version of this, you can find the video version on YouTube at Tech Over T. If you're watching the video version, you can find the audio on pretty much any podcast platform. There is an RSS feed. Uh, yeah, put it in your favorite app and you're good to go. So, what do you want to say? Sign us off. Um, hmm. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> That's how we're going to end it. Bye.